right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Saturday night as I am recording this one. Going solo, next couple of episodes at least are going to be solo episodes. Just trying to prep everybody for uh, free agency, trades. The entire season that's going to uh, that's going to unfold before our very eyes. There are a lot of things that are going to happen between now and the start of free agency on Monday. And once Monday hits, then we're going to get a lot of information, particularly about the Nuggets, but also about the rest of the NBA. That is going to be very interesting to follow. I'm going to be covering it all here. This is part one of my two-part series on free agents, free agency, free agent targets, trades, things like that. Uh, I might get a guest for tomorrow's episode, but for now, this first one, this is about the prep. This is about everybody understanding what's going on around the league, what's going on with the Nuggets, and then talking about in-house, talking about Denver has seven free agents. They have 11 roster spots. Even if they brought back six of their free agents, one of those guys would still be left standing. And I think we're at a point now where the Nuggets are in a very interesting spot in terms of how many of those guys are actually going to be back. And it wouldn't surprise me if it was only two or three. Wouldn't surprise me if there was more turnover than people are really recognizing. So we are going to see, and we're going to talk about that in segments two and three, but for now... I want to talk about the NBA at large, my thoughts about the NBA, where certain teams are heading. I want to start with the big market teams because I I actually do think that they are the most interesting at this point. Uh, The Lakers, the Clippers, and the Knicks. And it's not just because like, oh man, they're the big, they're the big markets. That's why like they're always going to be revolving around the stories. And uh, to some degree, that's true. But I think for different reasons, they're the big stories this time around. The Lakers, they just traded for Russell Westbrook. Anytime you add three players together and their contracts equal $110 million, then you're going to be a pretty interesting team to talk about. And the Lakers, they can and probably will treat this like a big three and try to surround those guys with as many good role players as as they possibly can. But it's going to be difficult, and Russell Westbrook is already a unique fit. Last year, the Lakers didn't have enough shooting in order to sustain what they needed to do best. They did the year before, and they went away from that. They went with, uh, instead of a guy like Danny Green, they went with Dennis Schroeder. And I think that was a mistake at the time, and it really has borne out in that regard. So... The Lakers have decided that they needed more ball handling around LeBron James, and maybe that's something that LeBron said that he wanted as well, that, hey, he can't handle the load as much anymore. He's going to need somebody else who can run point guard at various points. And so I think this is where you start to see LeBron taking a little bit of a backseat, at least in the regular season. The problem, and what we saw with the Lakers last year, was that They also did this for LeBron and AD last year with Schroeder, with Andre Drummond, with Montrez Harrell, committing assets to teams that are to players that don't necessarily help the Lakers in the playoffs. The Lakers are at their best when LeBron is playing the four, AD is playing the five, 
Maybe they have a bruiser in there on occasion, but it's more of a it's more of a change of pace thing. And when you're facing the Nuggets and they have Jokic and guys like that, if you are the Lakers, you want to surround the LeBron AD pick and roll with as many smart, savvy, defensive-minded shooters as you can possibly get. And they had that in their championship run in the bubble with Alex Caruso. Cantavius Caldwell Pope, uh, others that I'm not remembering at this moment. And Rajon Rondo was one of those guys that he just turned into a new player in that system. Things have sort of changed. And now that Westbrook is gone, and now that Alex Caruso and Talon Horton Tucker are up for contract, uh, the Lakers are still going to probably have a center so that AD plays the four most of the time and LeBron plays the three. And I just don't think that that's a great thing for them. So I'm very curious to see how they continue to build out their roster. They have a lot of interesting, or not a lot, but Alex Caruso is an interesting free agent. Talon Horton Tucker, 20 years old, interesting free agent as well. He'd be somebody that I'd keep my eye on if I were Nuggets fans. Because while other teams might be able to throw more money at him than Denver, Denver, like, I think that Talon Horton Tucker could really improve their defense while also doing a lot of the other role-playing things, maybe even handle the basketball and score a little bit. So he's an interesting piece that I would consider, as I would Alex Caruso, but we'll just have to see. Um, The Clippers are next. Kawhi, Batum, Reggie Jackson. All three of those guys are going to be free agents, and Kawhi is probably going to be back, but he's also going to be out. So it's a very unique situation where the Clippers are going to re-sign him, but they aren't going to get anything out of it, at least until the very end of the year. And then they're just trying to retain one of the best players in the league for the future seasons. Given his injury, it's very similar to Jamal Murray, actually, but I I have more confidence that Jamal can come back sooner. Um, The other two guys, Nicholas Batum, Reggie Jackson... Both of those guys are very interesting pieces, Batum in particular, if you're a Nuggets fan, because he provides that versatility, that shooting, that basketball IQ, the smarts, and the savvy in order to do so many different things. And the Clippers were able to use that in order to get to the Western Conference Finals. They had Batum on the floor a lot in order to combat a guy like Rudy Gobert. So Batum would be a very fun player to add if you're the Nuggets. Whether they can do that or not remains to be seen, but I would be very interested if I were Denver in trying to retain Barton, add Nicholas Batum. Maybe he's the sixth man, but I think that there's there's something to be said for that. But I think that Batum is probably going to want a starting role wherever he goes. And the Clippers, they can't really pay him what he deserves. They can't really pay Reggie Jackson, from what I understand. Those guys, like I think the max that they could give either of those guys is the taxpayer MLE, which is three years, 19 million. So that's, uh, that's not great. (laughs) That is definitely not great. And I think those guys could be had for larger deals, whether they want to or not remains to be seen. But if Reggie stays, then I think Batum definitely goes. So keep an eye on him. He's a guy that the Lakers should probably target. And then the New York Knicks. What is the deal with all of the cap space 
that the Knicks have accumulated. They have some good players that are going to be expiring, like Derek Rose, Reggie Bullock, uh, Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel, guys like that. Guys who are a big part of their rotation for sure. But now they basically have R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, Emmanuel Quigley, uh, a couple of their rookies, and that's it on their books. And because of that, they have like 50, 60, 70 million in cap space, depending on who they bring back and who they don't. I don't know who they're going to use that cap space on, but they feel like a very dangerous team. Whether it's DeMar DeRozan that goes out there, whether they're crashing the point guard market and they decide to try to go get somebody like Kyle Lowry, maybe Mike Conley, maybe Spencer Dinwiddie. There's a lot of guys that they could potentially go after. Maybe even Lonzo Ball. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Knicks kind of control things. Now, whether they make the right deals or not remains to be seen. Uh, I think it would be kind of cool to see Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan reunite there. And they have a pretty ready-made system in order to handle it. Uh, RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, good defenders. Add another good defender back in Nerlens Noel. And you can survive some of the defensive issues that a guy like DeMar DeRozan might give you. So it would be interesting to at least monitor the Knicks. I'm not sure what they're going to do. They could be a potential destination for Will Barton as well. If he wants to go start, Barton does, and the best deal on the market is going to the Big Apple, earning 15 to 17 million or something like that. You feel like if you're if you're Barton, they already made the playoffs. They're in a pretty good spot. It'd be a fun place to go, fun place to play. So we'll talk about that in just a little bit here, but I want to talk more about the point guard market now. Phoenix, New Orleans, Utah, Dallas, Miami, Chicago, Philly, Washington. All eight of those teams are teams that I would be very curious to see what they do at the point guard position. And I'd add Toronto into that as well, because they're about to lose Kyle Lowry in all likelihood. They went with Scotty Barnes instead of Jalen Suggs in the draft, which leads me to some Pascal Siakam stuff that I would be very concerned with. But in terms of the other point guards that are on the market, Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry, Mike Conley, Spencer Dinwiddie, Lonzo Ball, there's a lot of guys that could potentially be changing teams. Utah, it seems like they want to do whatever they can to retain Mike Conley. They don't have another avenue to replace him, so they are going to do what they can. It would be interesting if they didn't retain him, and then they had to figure it out with the rest of their contracts. Uh, it might be better for their long-term health if they don't give Mike Conley a $25 million deal. We'll see what they actually end up doing. But that would be very curious to me. Chris Paul, he's probably going back to Phoenix, but they also have Cameron Payne. Cam Payne could be like the sixth or seventh best point guard on, on the market or so. It's a strong point guard market, which is why we're talking about this. Denver doesn't need a point guard. They have Jamal Murray when he gets back, and they have Monte Morris in the intermediate. So they're probably set there. But all of these other teams are going to have these point guard issues and these point guard questions. And there's just going to be a big carousel, I think. We're going to see 
Dallas go after these guys. We're going to see New Orleans go after these guys. Miami, they have Goran Dragic. They have Kendrick Nunn. They have Jimmy Butler. They probably want to upgrade a point guard, though. That's what we're hearing. They could be a Kyle Lowry destination. If they miss on him, it's probably Spencer Dinwiddie. Dallas, same thing. They're probably going to follow the same path. Chicago, they've long been rumored to be a Lonzo destination. There was also a report this evening from a source that I'm not familiar with, but no reason to think that they would be lying, that uh, Lonzo seems like a great fit with Zach Levine, and that's something that Chicago's going to pursue. We know that Archeras Karnasovas is a smart, analytical mind who played in the NBA and understands, or not played in the NBA, but played heavy international basketball and understands the value of pairing his star players with elite role players. Lonzo feels like a great player that the Nuggets have probably discussed, that Arturis probably discussed when he was with the Nuggets. So it wouldn't surprise me that a B-Tech version of what the Nuggets are building with Levine and Nikola Vucevic, they might be considering Lonzo Ball. Add in Patrick Williams to that, add in Thaddeus Young, Lowry Markinen, uh, guys like that in the front court. You might be pretty happy with what you see. I'm not sure. Like, I'd still have my doubts if I were Chicago, if I were betting on them. But they're going to try and build it up. Philly, they are in a weird spot because we think that Ben Simmons is going to go. But they're also wanting to replace him with a point guard. The problem is that they're probably not going to be able to trade for a point guard if they go move Simmons. Like, I I doubt that there's a deal out there that's ready-made for a point guard in return. Because they're not just going to get Damian Lillard. That ship has probably sailed. They might get somebody else. Maybe they do a sign-and-trade. But they're probably going to want to avoid doing that so they can maximize their resources. Want to do a, a trade in any which other way. Or perhaps sign and trade for a point guard. In which case, you might be losing some of your other guys. Guys like Danny Green, who started for them this past year and was really, really good. Could Danny Green be somebody that's on the Nuggets radar? Whether they decide to get rid of or whether they decide to bring back Will Barton or not. That's a good question. It's something that I would consider. And then there's Washington. What the hell is Washington doing right now? They just traded Russell Westbrook. They don't want to take back Dennis Schroeder in a sign and trade. And that's one of the reasons why there's still a lot of questions about what's going on. And oh, by the way, Dennis Schroeder is involved in all of this because Russell Westbrook displaced him in New- in L.A. So, is Washington going to take back Dennis Schroeder in a sign-and-trade? Doesn't sound like it. Could they do Spencer Dinwiddie? I think there's a lot of noise to that. And it makes a degree of sense. If Spencer Dinwiddie can kind of recover to where he was and get to a good place, then he's a much more reasonable partner, I think, with Bradley Beal than Russell Westbrook was. Because... Dinwiddie can shoot at least a little bit. He's not perfectly efficient, but I trust his shot a lot more. And he still has a lot more to go higher. So we'll see. Oh, and by the way, uh, Westbrook makes $44 million this year. And Dinwiddie probably would make like twenty to 25 
So you're saving 20 to 25 million right there, which is nuts. I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to predict that Ben Simmons and Bradley Beal are eventually traded for each other. And that CJ McCollum and Pascal Siakam are eventually traded for each other. Not sure when it's going to happen. I think the McCollum-Siakam deal might be a little bit close because I think both of those teams are interested in possibly making a move and shaking things up. But if that's the case, then the Blazers will look a hell of a lot different with Lillard, Powell, Robert Covington, Siakam, maybe Nurkic. That's an interesting team. It's a lot bigger, a lot more athletic. Uh, Might be better against Denver. We'll see. The Raptors got McCollum, Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi as your base. And then you had Scotty Barnes, number four overall pick. They've talked about potentially adding Jared Allen, a restricted free agent with Cleveland, who they just added Evan Mobley. So there's a lot of stuff that could really shake up kind of the middle tier of the league is what I would call it. Like, I don't think the top tier of the league is really shaken that much. You're still going to get uh, the top of the top teams. Phoenix, Milwaukee, Denver. They're in a holding pattern, of course, because of the Murray stuff. The Murray injury. And then you've got the Lakers who are still going to be there. Like, they just kind of shifted the the deck chairs, I think. I, I don't know if what they did made them better or worse, so we'll see. Uh, But had they been healthy last year and fully healthy throughout, maybe they're the champions again. We don't know. But Brooklyn's going to be back. And the other four teams that I just listed will be back too. So we will see whether any other team can kind of jump into that mix or not. Whether it's Dallas, whether it's New Orleans, whether it's Miami again, Philly. I'm very curious to see how it goes. But for now, let's take a break. When we come back, we will focus in more on Denver. But first... This podcast, as you know, is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I love my DraftKings app, as you guys know. They do such a great job of bouncing around between different sports and making it so accessible to bet on all of the sports that you want to bet on. Pivoting from uh, the NBA after things sort of finished up there, betting on all of these things like the Olympics, Baseball, the UFC, there are all of these great deals. There's currently, for new users, you can bet on the gold medal games, betting $1. You can win $100 in free site credits. It's super cool. They do all of these new great deals. So if you're just getting into gambling, I totally recommend it. It's awesome. Make sure to check it out and use promo code MHS when you do. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, wager pays out in site credits, restrictions apply, see DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. 
Uh, if you can, it would be awesome if you could rate the podcast Pickaxe and Roll on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get it. It would be it would mean the world to me. Haven't had a review come in in a little bit here and, and want to see if I can continue to push those up to the sky as much as possible. You guys are great. Thank you so much. Okay. As somebody who has been, like, I would say I'm pretty on top of the financial situation with Denver right now. If you have any questions about it, I'm probably the guy to go to. There are others that can absolutely tell you everything that you need to know. Uh, but if you have any questions about it on Twitter, you can, or you can comment on it under this podcast, you can absolutely do that. I'm going to share my thoughts and just the general gist of Denver's roster and financial situation right now, as well as what I believe the Nuggets need heading into the free agency period. That's what the second segment is. Third segment will make a decision on Denver's free agents in-house. Uh, first, Denver has 11 players on the roster right now. They just picked up their 11th uh, with Bones Highland, uh, who is going to be very interesting. I've changed my tune a little bit on Bones. Going to give him the benefit of the doubt. If he can continue to build up his body, uh, he just seems so excited to be here that it's it's hard not to root for him. Like I, I want him to succeed and want this to work out. So we'll see if it does. He is the 11th player. And the Nuggets, as of now, entering free agency, have $105 million committed to their roster. 11 players out of 15. The projected salary cap is $112 million. That would give Denver $7 million in space if they renounced all of the cap holds of the seven free agents currently outstanding. Here's why Denver's not going to do that. Let's say you create $7 million in cap space. You sign a player for $7 million. Now you have to fill out the rest of the roster, but you only have 12 players on your roster. You can use the room exception at that point, which gives you, I think, $5 million or so to play around with, which is fine. You can go over the cap and still use your room exception, as long as you are a cap-space team. Uh, so that's 13 And then you add two minimum guys. That would be your only limited flexibility, except for possibly the trade exception. Like you could, you could definitely use the trade exception after signing a free agent. So there are ways that they could do it, but it would only be seven million, and Denver can actually create a little bit more space and have the luxury of bringing back their own free agents if they operate as an over-the-cap team. And what that means is they're going to not sign any outside free agents to deals that aren't included in the exception or that that are outside of what their given exceptions are. So here are their given exceptions. You have access to the mid-level exception, which is 9.5 million in year one. That's the estimation. If you want to max that deal out, you can go all the way out to four years, which means the maximum deal you could hand out is four years, 41 million. If Denver was a cap space team, they have seven million in space. They would be able to give out about four years, thirty million, in that. Four years, twenty nine million. So, it makes it kind of behooves them that if they want to keep Barton or Green or Millsap or anybody like that, and they also wanted to sign somebody else for 
that amount, whether it's four years, 41 million or something less than that, then they have the flexibility to be able to do that by operating as an over-the-cap team. It's the right call. Now, the, the luxury tax line is at a projected $136 million. So right now, Denver's at 105 Get up to 136 that is $31 million in difference. So Denver's $31 million below the luxury tax threshold. I do not expect Denver to be a luxury tax team this year. There are reasons why it doesn't make sense to do it. There are financial reasons for the Nuggets, why it doesn't make sense to do it. I don't expect them to do it just because. Like if you were $10 million over, 5 to $10 million over, and there was just no reasonable way to get under at that point, then sure. But if you're going to be $1 million over, $2 million over, there's no reason to do that in my opinion. So Denver, they're going to, in all likelihood, sit in between the salary cap and the luxury tax, which is where most teams sit generally. I'd say about two-thirds of the league is generally in that vicinity. So Denver, they have access to the MLE if they do that. If they went over the tax, then they'd have access to the mini MLE, which is a smaller amount. It's even smaller if they were a salary cap team. So I don't expect them to go over the luxury tax. I think that they're going to try to be under that threshold. So actually, two more things. One of the other exceptions that Denver would have had had they not used it last year was the biannual exception. They used it on Faku Campazo. So they got good deal out of they got a good deal out of it. And that is fine. Denver does have a $5.3 million traded player exception that they created when they signed and traded Jeremy Grant to the Detroit Pistons. It was bigger at 9.5, but they used 4.2 million of it to bring in JaVale McGee. I would hope that they use this. I would hope that if they weren't going to bring back all of their guys, maybe perhaps two of their guys, maybe it's Barton and McGee, Barton and Green, Green and McGee, Rivers and McGee, Rivers and Millsap, something like that. If they bring back two of those guys, and then you use the mid-level exception, then you have one other avenue to spend your money. You could either sign somebody to the minimum, or you could trade for somebody using your TPE. That gives you a little bit more flexibility to bring in somebody for a little bit more money than the minimum. So I wonder if Denver tries to go with that. I would hope that they try to use that because they don't have that many other options. But they also don't have that many roster spots right now because they have 11 already committed. So here you are sitting at uh, four roster spots remaining and 31 million. I am not committing uh, two-way contracts because they don't count against the cap. So do with that what you will. Here is how I would prioritize Denver's four needs, and I have them listed in four. The top need is perimeter defense. 
Next is guard scoring. Next is backup bigs. And next is backup small forward. That's the last one. So let's go in order and talk about them real quick here. Perimeter defense. This is what I would call guard and wing defense. Denver struggled in this area last year when they were at their most healthy. You had Murray and Barton as your starters, and you had Morris and Dozier, I think, as your second guards. Faku was also in the mix there, uh, but it was mostly the top three guys, Murray, Barton, Morris. In the trade to get Aaron Gordon, Denver lost Gary Harris. They lost RJ Hampton. They were hoping that RJ could develop into somebody like that who could really help on the defensive end. It wasn't going to happen immediately for obvious reasons. And I have to imagine that Denver knows that they aren't going to improve that massively with their perimeter defense unless they go outside the organization. I don't think you can do it in-house because while Shaq Harrison is a great perimeter defender, his offense just makes it so difficult to put him out there consistently. Dozier, Faku, Rivers, they're good perimeter defenders. Morris and Barton I would describe as average. Bones Highland and Marcus Howard I would describe as poor. Now Bones could develop into more than that, but this is a projection. So you don't have any great defenders in your rotation. If you're going with Dozier, Faku, and Rivers, right now you only have two, maybe one at your healthiest. Because I think in Denver's ideal scenario, you'd have a healthy Murray, you'd have Monte Morris, you'd have Will Barton, then you have one of Dozier or Faku, most likely Dozier. So there's one good defender in there. Murray I would describe as average at this point especially coming off of a torn ACL. So, I think that Denver needs to go outside the organization to get help here. It's one of the reasons why I hope that they would draft somebody who they could develop as a perimeter defender. I still think that that is a need, but if you're trying to win a title over the course of the next couple years, two or three years, while Jokic, Murray, Porter are at the confluence of their primes, then you probably need to go outside the organization, sign for somebody, trade for somebody that can add to your perimeter defense. Second is guard scoring, especially with Murray down, with Barton currently not on the roster. This is something that needs to be filled. Absolutely something. I don't think that you can go into the season with an injured Murray, with Barton not on the roster, and the only really good scorer on the roster being Bones Highland, who's a rookie. I wouldn't consider Morris a good scorer. I wouldn't consider Austin Rivers a good scorer anymore. I wouldn't consider Marcus Howard or P.J. Dozier to be good scorers. I would consider all of those guys in the average tier based off of like what you'd want from a starter. So, if Bones Highland can play immediately, if he can come in, give you some instant offense, some microwave stuff, then maybe this changes things a little bit. 
maybe the the need for this is a little bit lessened. However, if you bring back Barton, then the need is definitely lessened. Murray will eventually come back, and then you're in, in the clear in terms of guard scoring. You'd have Murray, you'd have Barton, you'd have Highland in the development chamber, and then Morris, Dozier, Rivers, Howard, guys like that, you can put into a good mix of guard scores. But I think that a free agency option would help. Definitely, definitely would help. Especially if you don't bring back Barton. If you don't bring back Barton, you probably have to replace this in some way, shape, or form. I wouldn't expect Denver to leave this untouched. If you go into a situation where Morris and Dozier are your primary starters, your defense is going to be better, but your offense is going to struggle. And you need somebody to come off the bench that can really put put together a punch. And I'm just not sure whether Bones is ready for that. He's a rookie. Like, it would be blasphemous, I think, to ask him to do that immediately. Maybe he can, but it has to be a surprise, not a necessity. So, Denver could go outside the organization for this one, too. But Barton would be a good option in-house. Third, backup bigs. Denver has several backup bigs on their roster. You've got Jokic, uh, Porter, Gordon as your starting front court. You had last year, Jamichael Green as the primary backup, Millsap as the secondary backup, and then McGee as the tertiary option. Zeke Naji was waiting in the wings. It looks like he's going to have a bigger role. It, it From everything I've heard, from everything I believe, I think that the Nuggets are going to try to develop him in the rotation this year. They're going to try to get him a spot. So I don't think they're going to bring back too many of the incumbent options. Now they could, they could bring back one or two of those guys. I doubt that they bring back all three. If they did, I would be kind of flabbergasted, I guess. But there are also free agency options that would help in this case. Guys like Daniel Tice, Nerlens Noel, uh, there, there are a variety of different type of bigs. Like Kelly Olynyk would really help Denver in the regular season. I'm not sure how much any backup big is going to really help Denver in the playoffs, given that Jokic is going to play 36 to 40 minutes every night. Najee is the guy that you really have to watch out for. And because of that, I push this down the list a little bit. I would consider this less of a, like, you're going to need to add somebody, but it doesn't have to be the perfect player. You could go with JaVale McGee and just make sure that Zeke Nagy is the guy that's playing 20 to 24 minutes, as opposed to the guy that's only playing 16. And you just have to hope that Najee's ready for that. You don't want to have to have him do it by himself, though, so... They will have to supplement in some way or form. Also, Vlako Chanchar could potentially slide down to a backup five position or a backup four position and be pretty good. Which brings me to the backup forward spots. As the stability behind Porter and Gordon, I think, is also important. This can be filled in-house, though it's not perfect. Uh, 
Najee is versatile enough that he can slide up to a forward spot. We're still trying to figure out what Flacco Chanchar and Bol Bol are at the NBA level. If they're good, then that helps, and Denver can just slide them in. However, they're more power forward options. They're not mobile. They don't really have the small forward skill set, which is the 6'6 to 6'9 player, uh, more mobile, perimeter ball handling skills, can slide their feet defensively. Like, Chanchar is more of a brick wall. Bull Bull is more of like, he's just Bull. Like, no, no idea how to really grade that out. So maybe Denver can fill this in-house. But it would be nice if they could find somebody who kind of at that backup wing position, it's like in that 6-7 range, can shoot the three a little bit, can switch defensively, maybe can give some some length and and some adding some perimeter defense. But if it's not a perimeter defense guy, you need somebody like that who's more in the 6-4, 6-5 range. That's okay because you have P.J. Dozier. You're going to have Will Barton in all likely in, in this situation. Like, I think you could add Will Barton, slide P.J. Dozier to the three, and feel pretty good about that too. Uh, it's just not going to be perfect, and so Denver's going to have to play around with it and figure it out. So they can accomplish this with $31 million. They might also make some other mo- moves. It's very possible that they trade Bull Bull and free up a fifth roster spot. Maybe they replace him with somebody else. I saw a deal floated out there that you send Bull Bull to Chicago and bring back somebody like Troy Brown Jr., which would help Chicago free up $3.2 million in cap space so that they could help sign a guy like Lonzo Ball. Maybe that's something that Denver would do. Maybe that's a favor that Arturis Karnasovas would be okay with because it helps their team, but it also helps Denver. So we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see how they do it. Uh, Those are the four needs, though. You've got perimeter defense in the guard and wing variety, guard scoring to temporarily replace Murray, perhaps Barton, backup bigs to potentially replace or supplement Millsap, Green, McGee, and then a backup small forward, somebody who can add a little bit more versatility and, and oomph to Denver's rotation at any given point. Let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to focus in on Denver's free agents and go one by one with a keep or let go proposition. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Final segment, let's get into Denver's own free agents. And as we mentioned, four roster spots remaining. Four full-time roster spots. You've still got the two ways, but I can't imagine that Marcus Howard and Shaq Harrison go back to a two-way deal. It's just not worth it to them. So, keep or let go of the seven free agents that Denver is going to have. You've got the four roster spots remaining. You've got the MLE in hand. You've got the trade exception in hand. Denver can pick and choose a little bit here in terms of what they want to do, but they also 
have to understand that 31 million can go pretty quickly. So you have to be judicious. You have to understand. So let's talk about it. Will Barton. This is the big one. This is the one that everybody wants to know. That whether whether he wants to come back to Denver or not. I think the fans are very polarized or like they're they're on two sides of this thing because Barton is a polarizing option in Nuggets land for whatever reason. I'm going to vote to keep Will Barton and here's why. Given that Murray is out, given that Denver has had a lot of continuity questions come up over the course of a while, given that Nikola Jokic Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, they're going to have their own questions in terms of how they're going to carry this offense. Monte Morris, he's got enough to worry about replacing Murray as the starting point guard in next year's lineup, at least for the time being. At the shooting guard spot, you'd love for somebody like that to be a better defender. I think that people question whether Barton can do it. But if you keep Will Barton, if you bring him back, one, you don't lose him for nothing. That's the biggest thing. Well, not the biggest, but it's it's a piece of it. That Denver, if you are the Nuggets, you have to make sure to maximize every single bit of financial flexibility that you possibly can. Because if you don't, you're probably not going to win a title. All of these decisions have merit. And I think that if you can keep Will Barton, who's a starting caliber player, who's one of only a select few amount of guards, who have averaged 14 points, 5 rebounds, and 3 assists over the course of the last four years in a row, like, that's a pretty big deal. So, I would keep Will Barton. My target price for him would be in the 12 to 15 million range. I think he's going to get that from somebody else. So, eventually, I think that Bones Highland is going to be considered the replacement for Will Barton. And that's probably fine. Bones, 20 years old. Barton, 30 years old. You may not want to do a long-term deal with Barton. And Barton may not want one either. He may want the flexibility to be able to get back on the market. Or he just might want to get paid. Both of which are fine. So he has a lot of questions to answer. There are going to be teams that are interested in him. Denver should be interested in retaining him. And if it's not working out, or if Denver needs to go a different direction down the line, if they sign him to an affordable contract here, and he's still playing pretty well, they can trade him. It's not a big deal. So that would be my approach. Try to sign him to, let's say, a three-year $40 million contract. It's about 13-3 every year. It's a pretty good deal for both sides, I would say. Austin Rivers. I think you got to let Austin Rivers go. Because if you bring back Will Barton, then the role that Austin Rivers fills on the bench, while it would be helpful and while it's important to keep the bench scoring going, I think that's the reason why the Nuggets brought in Bones Highland. And when you talk about the perimeter defense, Denver's going to have to spend the MLE 
in order to keep Austin Rivers around. I'm not sure that Austin Rivers makes a tangible difference to Denver's ultimate defensive uh, profile. That if they let him go, then they're going to be that much worse defensively. Despite the fact that he's a good individual defender and has really shown the willingness and ability to do that, I would be okay with letting him go. And one of the reasons why is Denver just doesn't have a lot of flexibility to be able to pay him. Given that he was a minimum contract that they brought in last year, and given that he was on a one-year deal, Denver, in the position that they are, they don't have the bird rights on him, which means that they can only sign him up to 120% of what his cap hold is, or of what his previous salary was, excuse me. So, that's not a lot. It's like $2.5 million. So he's probably gone. Rivers is probably taken off. And that's okay. He helped serve his purpose in Denver. Did a really nice job in the playoffs, I thought. Helped Denver win a series. Helped him win a game by himself with game three. It was a lot of fun to watch. So, thank you, Austin Rivers. You you were awesome. But I, I doubt that he's going to be back for a variety of reasons. But the main one, financial flexibility. The other one, not sure where he fits into the rotation. Jamichael Green. I am okay with letting Jamichael Green go. Despite the fact that he's a good player. Despite the fact that he was very helpful in a Denver Nuggets uniform. He's one of those guys that he's going to be helpful wherever he goes. But he's also still just an eighth or ninth man. And for what Denver needs, I'm not sure he's the right piece to overpay. He averaged 19 minutes a game last year. He's probably going to want to average more, but with Denver adding Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, or not Jamal, uh, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, having that as their starting front court, and then having Zeke Naji behind, it may not make sense to bring back Jamichael Green for a significant deal. I consider Zeke Naji to be kind of the Jamichael Green protege. Uh, Aaron Gordon's kind of the Paul Millsap protege because he's more of that defensive, uh, versatile starting type. Zeke Naji is that pick and pop big that you're looking for who can help grow into a, a versatile defender, which is what Jamichael Green is. So I think that the right move for Denver is to let Jamichael Green go. Unless they can get him for an efficient uh, amount of money, he declined his player option at $7.6 million. Maybe he just wants a small raise and another player option, in which case $8 million, it's probably fine. If you sign Barton for $13 million and you sign Jermichael Green for $8 million, that means you're at $21 million out of $31 million spent, and you have another $10 million for two other players, which... That might be fine. That might be good enough. So you could probably make it work. But I wouldn't overpay. If he's asking for MLE money, uh, two years, 20 million, three years, 30 million. And if another team is willing to do that, I think the Nuggets have to walk away. I think they have to have the discipline to know that they can develop Zeke Naji 
into another solid forward option, another small ball five, who could help them and could be just as good, if not better, than Jamichael Green within the year. So we'll see. Uh, also, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report, he said he cited a ru- or cited reporting, his own reporting, that the Pelicans and Timberwolves would be interested in Jamichael Green. And there were other suitors as well. So Jamichael Green's going to have a market. And if the Pelicans, if they lose out on, let's say, Josh Hart, then it wouldn't surprise me if they went with a big, like a Jamichael Green, to really help out their rotation. Help it out around Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, guys like that. Um, Because those guys eventually need to sit, and I'm not sure they really trust their backups right now. Paul Millsap, he's a guy that I think I've pivoted on this, and I didn't think that this was going to happen. I think they should keep him, especially if he's cheap. Uh, He is a guy who's going to help the backup bigs kind of elevate their game. He can be in the primary rotation, but he probably doesn't have to be in the primary rotation anymore either. Uh, He's somebody that, if I were Denver, I would want to reduce his role down to a consistent 15 a game. And maybe he doesn't play all the time. But you can maximize the amount of effectiveness he has in that role. Now, that role is very similar to Zeke Naji, which was very similar to Jermichael Green. Which is one of the things that when Jermichael Green and Paul Millsap were out there, I didn't think that the offense looked very good because those guys were playing the same role in the same spots on the floor. So, it might not be the best thing in the world to have Paul Millsap and Zeke Naji in the rotation at the same time gives you some good, solid, switchable defense, but I'm not sure it helps the offense, which is something that Denver clearly has been prioritizing. JaVale McGee. I think you keep JaVale. I think that as a, a traditional backup center, if he's somebody that Denver can commit to playing 12 to 16 minutes a game every game, then Denver is going to be better off for it. They're going to be in a good situation where Nikola Jokic doesn't play as many heavy minutes. And you can trust a guy like JaVale to be solid, to be a good pick-and-roll option. As long as he's rolling and continuing to roll hard and protecting the rim on the other end, he's a good rebounder, he's a good above-the-rim finisher, he's somebody that gives Denver something different than what they've had. So I would probably keep him. I don't see another option out there that's in the same price range. And I think that Denver shouldn't be spending their MLE on a big man. That's something that I I hope that they spend it on a wing. Because they need help on the wing. They need help with their perimeter defense. And spending that money on a big man. We just saw what happened to the Utah Jazz. They spent on a backup big to Rudy Gobert in Derek Favors. And it didn't work out, and they just had to trade a future first-round pick to get off his money. That's not great. Denver shouldn't make those same mistakes. If you have a star center, find a variety of different guys and a cheaper option that makes sense. And I think JaVale does. If you add Paul Millsap and you have Zeke Naji in the fold, I think you can make do with that backup rotation. 
finally, the two MLE guys, Marcus Howard, or not MLE, the two uh, two-way guys, Marcus Howard, Shaq Harrison. Marcus Howard is a 50-51 for me because I think he's going to help the guard scoring, and that might be very helpful, especially if you don't have Will Barton. If you're, you're not going to have Ch- uh, Jamal Murray, at least at the beginning, if you don't have Will Barton at all, if he goes to another team, you're probably pivoting to try to keep somebody like Austin Rivers, or maybe that changes who you're bringing in with the MLE from the outside. But if I were Denver, I would try to figure out whether Bones Highland can play immediately. And if he can, then that's great. Because he and Marcus Howard, they kind of duplicate each other. And Denver just invested a first-round pick in Bones. So if you want him to be a part of things... You want him to be that scorer. I'm not sure you need another small scorer because you already have Monte. You already have Bones. You already have Faku. They're all backing up Jamal Murray. So Denver should try to ver- give give their roster a little bit more versatility, a little bit more size, a little bit more switchability. So I would probably use one of those spots in order to do that, in order to balance things. Shaq Harrison, as much as his defense would help things, I still think the offense is a problem. As I mentioned earlier, that's going to be something that really impacts Denver. They're going to be in trouble if they bring him back because they're going to want to use that perimeter defense. But it's going to be so difficult to play him. And then you play Bones Highland next to him. And sure, you've got your all-offense guy and then your all-defense guy. But what happens when... The opposing team is smart enough that they target Shaq Harrison on the the offensive end and force him to shoot. And then they they force Bones Highland to defend. And then you're screwed. Unless you can pivot the other direction. So that's something that I'm considering. I think that Denver should probably just let Shaq Harrison go. And if I'm being honest, I think they should probably let go of Marcus Howard. So in, in review... Let go of the two two two-way guys. Keep JaVale McGee. Keep Paul Millsap if cheap. Let go of Jermichael Green. Let go of Austin Rivers. Keep Will Barton. So you've got three guys there. Will Barton, Paul Millsap, JaVale McGee. That brings the roster total to 14. And when we come back tomorrow, we'll talk about who I think they should add with the 15th spot. I think you guys might be surprised who it is. You might not be. Maybe I've said their name a little bit too often. But that's going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I will be back tomorrow uh, in preparation for what Denver's going to do on Monday's free agency opening. Monday, 4 p.m. Eastern time, or no, 4 p.m. Mountain Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Not sure what it is, Serbia time. Sorry, guys, but uh, do the math for me. Should be okay. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Hope everybody is enjoying the content and trying to uh, figure it out along with me what Denver's going to do. Thank you so much, everybody. We'll talk to you guys very soon.